Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for listening to this sports podcast where we have a ton to break down in the world of sports. This is episode number 300. Thank you for listening every step of the way. And we're going to get going today with MMA Fighting's Jose Youngs to break down a lot of storylines in the UFC. Francis Ngannou defending his title, what the future holds for him. Some fights to look forward to, Adi Asanya and Whitaker. And uh, other storylines and subplots, the Baseball Hall of Fame, his Red Sox get David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame, the guys that weren't inducted. We break that down, talk the Royal Rumble, talk about the weekend's new album. It's a lengthy discuss with Jose Youngs. And then I talk to my buddy Tyler Tesson. We break down the NFL, Bengals and Rams and the Super Bowl, how they got there. The uh, upset over the Chiefs for the Bengals, the Rams conquering the Niners finally, Tom Brady's retirement, all the drama in the coaching circles off the field, and the Washington football team officially has a new name. It's Jose Youngs and Tyler Teslin on the Money Mitch Effect episode number 300. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect from MMA Fighting, it's Jose Youngs. Jose, a regular on this guest. Uh, Jose, thank you for joining the show. Uh, this is actually episode 300, so you're on a, a milestone oh, episode, but thank you for joining. <laughs> we're, we're creeping up on UFC 300, we're creeping up on Bellator 300, and who would have thought Money Mitch would get there before two major MMA promotions? Hey, you know what? I, it's an honor. It's a privilege. <laughs> I know UFC has, uh, we've got to do their idea of just, you know, the, the shows they missed, right? Like, are we just going to... Sure. Gonna just go back and do those shows. It'd be fun. Yeah, because that when I say UFC 200, that means like UFC like 200 numbered events. Mm-hmm. But I would probably say they're close to like 500 and something total. Actually, no, I know they're past 500 total. Yeah. Uh, which is you know what I mean. It's all marketing. I do, I do. And we have a lot in the in the mixed martial arts world to talk about. But one of the things that I haven't talked to you about per- publicly or privately. Uh, how uh, on Cloud 90 must have been about your boy making the Baseball Hall of Fame, David Ortiz. Oh, I'm so happy. And before I, before we get into that, I want to say I personally don't care whether Barry Bonds makes it or not. Like, I just, that's not a deal. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I just, right. I just don't care. Like, if I had a vote, I wouldn't vote for him. But if he got in, I'd be like, yeah, all right, I'm going to go to bed again. Like, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. So when I tweeted, like, I am so excited for that David Ortiz made the Hall of Fame, this and that, and everyone's like, yeah, what about Bonds, this and that? I'm like, I wouldn't care even if he made it. I'm just, strictly yeah. speaking, as a Red Sox fan, there is not a more important athlete. I would argue that he's the most important Red Sox ever. I really would. Mm. Like, he's not the best baseball player. Like, Ted Williams is, in my opinion, the greatest hitter who ever lived. Uh, but then, like, Yaz is obviously really important to, like, a certain demographic. Pedro... Like Nomar, Manny, like all these guys. But David Ortiz literally saved our season how many times? Has three World Series. If someone tells me he's the most part Red Sox in the history of that franchise, wouldn't argue. Wouldn't well, argue one bit. So the fact that he's in, I am ecstatic. Yeah, the first thing I wanted to mention uh, about that was I, I know I agree, and, and I think a lot of times with athletes that you get this sense of, you know, if there's a, this crossroads, like with Tom Brady retiring, you're hearing the same thing of like how yeah. it all changed with one big moment. I, I ultimately I agree with that to a point, but I do think the cream rises to the top eventually. I 100%. do think that seminal moment of that 2004 ALCS, that was the biggest you know franchise-flipping moment maybe in all of baseball, and he was right at the forefront of that. And it's, it's a great story in the sense that he was with the Twins. It wasn't really coming together early in his career. He goes to Boston, takes off, carries you guys to multiple World Series titles. 
and uh, is definitely deserving of the honor. Now, now on the Bonds and the and the Clemens topic and all that, I guess I'm kind of slightly opposite of you in the sense that like I would put them in, but I don't care that they're not in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would vote them in, but it's uh, more along the lines of they weren't outliers. Like everybody, not everybody, but a majority of baseball was getting an edge. The league didn't care at the very least or knew about it and didn't act at the very worst. So, you know, I, I think that's why those guys deserve to be in. But, you know, sure. even Ortiz mentioned as much that he viewed those guys as, you know, much better players than him. But it's just a good moment that he'll get honored. He'll get, you know, his day in uh, Cooperstown. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he was that important to, you know, flipping the Red Sox and leading them on their greatest run in franchise history. And I understand why this generation especially views him as the most important, most accomplished Red Sox ever. If he wasn't better than Ted Williams, he's maybe higher on that Mount Rushmore list. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any like true Red Sox fan would argue that David Ortiz is a better baseball player than Ted Williams. He might not even be a better like he might not even be a better baseball player than Manny Ramirez, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but that he is without a doubt the most beloved and most important figure in outside of Tom Brady, I would say, mm. in the last twenty years yeah. of all of New England. Like obviously and he's also the greatest like free agent signing ever. Like who's bigger, <laughs> bigger than him? Chara, like Chara I would throw in there, obviously. Yeah. He kind of changed our franchise, but he didn't win three goddamn World Series and, and like yeah. win one after eighty six years. Yeah, I I mean I just the short list. It's got to be those. It's got to be Ortiz, Chara, and maybe Rodney Harrison. I mean, for the New Englanders out there, just thinking of like who from the free agent side made an impact. But I agree, it's Ortiz number one. And I think that if you're doing the Boston sports Mount Rushmore in terms of just accomplishments or career, he's probably and and if you were doing it just based on every sport has one representative, it's he's hard. probably the Boston one. The Red Sox one is hard. Well, the, the Celtics really, one is hard. <laughs> I think I think the the, the yeah. difference with the Celtics and the Red Sox is if you ask Larry Bird, he'll say Bill Russell because like you can't really look past eleven championships yeah. like you just can't. He also what he went through in the '60s mm-hmm. as a black athlete in New England you just can't overlook. So I think Bill Russell has that locked up. I mean they named the freaking NBA yeah. M- Finals MVP after him, and then like hockey's obvious. There's no argument. None. It's, it's Bobby Orr. Like. <laughs> And football, like there's even three. less of an argument. There's, there's less <laughs> argument. Boston is hard because yeah. do you do you compare accolades mm-hmm. or do you compare just like like also Ted Williams actually fielded mm-hmm. and he also like if he didn't go to war he might have won a World Series. He'd probably have 700 home runs. The Red Sox one is the hardest one I think. If you want to say Poppy, I'm not gonna argue. I personally think I'd still put Ted Williams in that Mount Rushmore because he like for what he did for this. Because he yeah. also like I don't know if you heard of the Jimmy Fund, which mm-hmm. is like what, which is like the the children's cancer yeah. research oh, yeah. organization. Like Ted Williams was the guy that made that famous, and that is just like infinitely more important to the city of Boston than the Red Sox. So it just it depends. The Red Sox one's the hardest one for me. It, it's very hard, and you can also make a case that Boston's got the best Mount Rushmore of any city in the country. So too. the I've had this. It's the only one I can think of that is on par. Would be because like I'm not throwing LA in because like Wayne Gretzky is is an Oiler, no, not yeah. a King. Uh-huh. I would say, and like the only the only reason Pittsburgh isn't on that list is because they don't have a basketball team. Detroit right. has a good one with Ty Cobb, uh, Gordy was it Gordy Howe, right? Yeah. Um, 
Cobb, uh, Howell, I, and then you could go Isaiah, what? Isaiah, and Barry, Isaiah Thomas. And, and Barry Sanders. And, yeah, and That's Barry a good Sanders. One. That's a really good one. And then obviously like New York, but then the problem with New York is you you have like two teams. A lot of times, like I think Babe Ruth would be the baseball player, but then you have like the Nets and you oh, have yeah. the Knicks. And, yeah, you know, who's the you best basketball of... one is probably the toughest there. I think Chicago, you'd probably have to go Bobby Hall for hockey. You'd go yeah. Jordan. Football, maybe, maybe but you know Walter Payton. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, a, and then be, who's the baseball be, rep? The Chicago, uh, probably Ernie Banks. Ooh, yeah, that's, but like Ernie Banks is not on the I same know. level as Ty Cobb and Ted Williams. Yeah, I just not football with. I mean, just with Brady now as the after Brady's career, it's really hard to top. Regardless, of who I you know. pick there, you know, the only the only problem with Chicago is Ernie Banks uh-huh. is clearly one of the fifty greatest players who has ever lived. Yeah. He's just not on like Ted Williams. And Ty Cobb are like top five greatest <laughs> yeah. players. Yeah, Boston's the only one that has their all Boston top five De- or ten. Boston, Boston, and Detroit are the only ones I can think of that. Yeah, you can make an argument. Wow. Well, props to Big Poppy. He's into the Hall of Fame. Wanted you to get your shine there for the Red Sox. Uh, and then maybe we'll have a baseball season. I don't know. The news today was oh. pretty depressing. Oh. I can't wait, but I just it, it's infuriating. How did how did Rob Manfred's last two years? In, in, you got to think about that, right? Like in two years, he's become the least popular commissioner in all of sports, which I didn't think was possible, let alone doing it in such a short time. The one, the second he said that we're fighting, they're they're fighting over like a piece of metal, talking about the <laughs> yep. World Series trophy. I'm like, get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. That's your World Series trophy. Imagine like as as much as people hate on Roger Goodell, like. The man's not making fun of like he never hates the product. That's the thing about him is right. he'll make some sometimes selfish decisions or or ill advised decisions, but he's never hating the product. No, and that's the problem with that clown Rob, whatever his name is. I'm going to say his yeah, name. Just be careful. We know what he does to journalists. He doesn't like. But yeah. uh-huh. um, all right, so so Jose, we'll we'll talk some MMA now. Jose Young's from MMA fighting, and uh, before we get to the UFC, I just want to get your thoughts on the the Bellator pay per view that you covered. It's you know the number two, I think we would all say MMA company in this country, and yeah. uh, you were at the event there in, in your local Phoenix area. Uh, Bader wins again. There were some good fights on the card. What was that pay per view like? The fights, the experience, and just you know the second biggest promotion, a big event for them. It's just so different than the UFC. Like the amount of access you get at Bellator is they pretty much like roll the red carpet out for you like they really like you can walk around backstage you can go to and from the media room to to press road there's only about 5,000 people in attendance not because they didn't sell out but because it was in an NBA arena so they kind of tarped off the top so they sold all the tickets that were available but it was an interesting event man there's only like three or four media people there Mm -hmm. in attendance Uh, also because it was Eagle FC was going on in Florida, which is uh, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov's new promotion. So I think a lot of media people went to that inaugural event. But this was only five minutes away, so I'm not going to not go. Um, but it was interesting. Covering Bellator is always interesting. And it was a really important day for uh, Arizona MMA specifically. All of the Arizona boys won, uh, which was not the case the last time they were in town. Pretty much all the hometown favorites just got mollywopped. And uh, they, came, they pulled it out. They pulled it out. This time, so it was a good day for Arizona MMA. Do you think that this? Do you think that Bellator's momentum is just going to keep steadily building? Like I know they have the TV <sighs> deal, and I know that they have some great fighters, but you know it does have that stigma, fairly or unfairly, that it's not quite the big leagues. 
The problem is fighters want to get to the UFC. Mm. No one is growing. And I think Will Brooks said it best. Like, you can be the best fighter in the world and be in Bellator. No one will believe you. Yeah. Uh, no one grows up saying, I want to be the Bellator heavyweight champion of the world. It's just a fact. Like, Bellator has – like, if you make, like, welterweight – Bellator's welterweight division is mm. incredible. Their light heavyweight division, like Corey Anderson, has wins over Jan Blahovich mm. and Glover Teixeira, and they just fought for the UFC championship uh, not too long ago. So they like they're the top of their division. Like AJ McKee might be the best featherweight in the world. He's never lost. He's never come close, to, really close to losing. He, all of his fights have been in Bellator. There's not really much for him else to do. The problem is that he's in Bellator, and people want. No one's saying. No one's going to Alex Volkanovsky and the UFC featherweight champion be like, oh, would you go to Bellator and fight AJ McKee? No, it's all, what would happen if AJ McKee came here? That's the problem. Uh, and I don't know how to fix that other than giving them the equal amount of coverage as the UFC can. It's just the UFC is a machine. It's like Impact Wrestling might be have some of the best wrestlers in the world. But no one's growing up yeah. saying, I want to be the Impact Wrestling Champion. They want to go to WWE or now AEW. And I think there were there was a generation of wrestlers saying, hey, I want to I want to go to New Japan, which is obviously a big deal. Bellator just doesn't have that right now. They have yeah. astounding fighters. And I wish there was cross-promotion because there's so many fighters in Bellator and so many fighters in the UFC. And there's a lot of fighters in one championship in PFL I want to see crossover. It's not just UFC and Bellator or Ryzen or Cage Wars or better yet, like KSW in Poland is mm. bigger than the UFC in, in Poland. Mm. When they hold an MMA event, it's essentially the Super Bowl. And oh. their champions are are not just on par with the UFC. I think they could be a, a lot of them would be UFC champions. Like your Prohaska that's about to fight Glover Sheriff for the UFC championship, the light heavyweight was the Ryzen champ. And that I'm like when he won the Ryzen championship, I'm like if you tell me Yuri Prohaska is the best light heavyweight in the world, I won't try to argue against you. I just don't know because he hasn't fought the guys. And the problem is no one in the UFC is like, "Oh, I'm going to go to Ryzen." It's always, <laughs> "Oh, he has to come here." Yeah, I mean, since it always goes back to wrestling with us, the hope would be that if there's so many good fighters and you know there's just not a slot for them in the UFC or they feel like they're not getting that development, maybe that AEW-type model takes off, whether it is Bellator or one of these other promotions. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's still, like you said, no one wants to, no one dreams of growing up and conquering Bellator. They want to conquer the UFC. And I can see how that can still, at this point, uh, change some life. So let's, let's look at you know the last UFC pay-per-view you covered at 270, out here in Anaheim, there was the two title fights that went down the way they did. The heavyweight title stayed on the uh, non-interim champion. The uh, featherweight, the flyweight title did yep. change hands. Now, first of all, did you have those fights as they were scored, or did you differ in any opinion? Oh, no. I mean, the co-main event, I had Davis and Figueredo winning, but I wasn't. That was so close. Yeah. If they announced Brent Moreno and still, I would have been like, okay, I, I can see that. I agree with you too, and I just think too, like I, I don't, I don't like the the logic of if it's a close fight, go to the champion. Like you're scoring rounds, you know. And I did yeah, think I it was that close. No problem if it went the other way, but I thought Figueredo got it done, and it, it want, I mean, we obviously want a fourth fight there. I mean, it's just these yeah. guys are so good and so evenly matched. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was. And the thing is, every single there's they fought three times, and every fight was incredible. There was no 
duds. Like this is one of those few like this is one of those two rivalries where every single fight they had was like the best fight of the night. One mm-hmm. of the best fights of all time. Like their first fight is the best featherweight fight. I mean, flyweight fight ever. And I voted that as the, my fight of the year when it happened uh, mm-hmm. in 2020. Yeah, yeah. To the end of 2020. It's all a blur at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought Figueredo won and I really hope they run it back. However, if they want to give the winner of Kai Car France versus and versus Askar Askarov this title shot, so it's not just four fights in a row, right? I won't. I won't argue that so, because, like, yeah, no, I, I think that's great. But, but my only counter to that, and I would ask you, is does Moreno just sit and wait? Is he given the title shot after? Has he I earned that say, right? Yeah, I would say so. He's he is a superstar in every sense. Mm-hmm. Like he could. I, he is when he walked out. That was Connor walking out in Dublin. That oh, was yeah. Darren Till walking out in Liverpool. So he much was fan support. Yeah. Megastar. He is like when I was in Anaheim, every Mexican in the world was in Anaheim. It was just a party in the hotel lobby all of the time. Uh so yeah, figure eight. I mean, Brandon Moreno is a superstar. Uh, I if the UFC goes, you know what, they fought four times, like let's not let's have let's let's maybe give Figueredo a break. Uh, for Brandon Moreno uh, and have him fight the winner of Kai Car France versus Askar Askarov because at the end of the day, Brandon Moreno also said it like the division needs to move. <laughs> we can't just do best <laughs> of seven. We can't do best of fifty. Yeah. Like yeah. other people are fighting and Kai Car France just knocked Cody Garbrandt out dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cody Garbrandt, if he had won, let's make no mistake about it. If Cody Garbrandt had won that fight, he would be fighting for the flyweight mm-hmm. championship of the world. Kai is on a roll. Askar Askarov is on a roll. Askar Askarov also fought Brandon Moreno to a draw. Let's not forget yep. that either. Uh, and Brandon Moreno beat Kai Car France, and that was a very close fight. That was razor thin. So those that top four, top six, I'll say, because Pantoja and Manel Kopp are also in the, uh, the, the top six or whatever flyweight. I any one of those individuals could be a champion. The flyweight division has never been better, but the 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 division needs to move on. So either I would either like to see Figueroa fight the winner of Kai versus Askar or do run it back immediately. I wouldn't care either way. I just want to see the flyweight division keep rolling. Isn't it funny how you know if if uh, Henry Cejudo wouldn't have beat TJ Dillashaw, that division might have just collapsed. And now here we are 100%. saying how deep it is. It's it's 100%. great how that worked out. Uh, no, I agree, and I think you know the the main event fight that night, the heavyweight title fight with Francis Nagano, uh, you know, retaining his title in a lot of ways, and and all that had gone on behind the scenes, kind of festering to the top of the surface. Jose, how he won that fight, specifically taking it to the mat, was that shocking, jarring? Should we have spe- expected it? Not just that he won, but how he did it. Uh, I I was. I'm not surprised that it ended up on the canvas a lot uh, because they're both very high-level strikers, so I think it would just it would make sense that that would end up somehow. I was more shocked at how good Francis and got. That was like Kamaru Usman <laughs> wrestling right there. Like he he like he freaking like switched him. He worked in guard and like switched transit. He was hitting yeah. that like. Like when he, I think it was the fifth round or something, fifth or fourth round, he was like on his back and hit the and like transitioned and reversed Cyril, so he ended up on top. I popped for that in the <laughs> same way Francis did when, as, as the same way I did when Francis knocked out over him. I was just like, whoa, like, <laughs> yeah, just totally caught me off guard. Like Francis doing jujitsu off his back, like that is wild. So. <laughs> 
not surprised it ended up there. Very surprised at how good <laughs> Francis looked on, looked on the ground. Yeah, and the fact that he was, you know, he lost at least one of those early rounds, possibly two. And he lost he, the first two. He yeah, was down two uh-huh. zero. No, he I agree won with three, that. Four, five. I think one of like, the judges was, had that, him winning the last four, but you know, either way, was, I agree. That, that was also why it was so impressive because Francis came back. Like mm-hmm. I think everyone in the media room thought he was down two zero, and he came back with his wrestling and won. Super impressive. I picked. I'll admit, I picked Cyril Gon to win. Me too. I thought Cyril Gon was the better fighter. Francis Ngannou not only proved me wrong, he did so in a way that I caught me completely off guard. Like that's the best heavyweight in the world. Like there's not, there's no one else. Stipe, no. I, obviously Stipe, they're one one, so I think that's a little disrespectful to Stipe. But right now, also I think John, like John Jones, is not really <laughs> in the conversation. But like right now, on yeah. February first. 2022, Francis is the best heavyweight in the world, and I don't think anyone can argue against it. For him to win, A, not by winning a knockout, and B, just winning a five-round fight that went the distance, those were impressive things, regardless of how he does it, because he's just known as the guy that knocks everybody out. And That was the narrative you heard all week, was that he's only going to win if he's going to knock him out, and he went and he did it in another way. So it was very impressive. And I do think Cyril Gan's time will come. Um, I think there's a lot to learn of this fight, but it wasn't like an embarrassing performance or anything like that. Uh, that said, when do we see Francis fight again and with whom? What would you say? And That's got, a million dollar question. I know he's got it? the injury now, so there's that, the, the surgery, which is probably the worst thing you want to hear when you lost a fight if you're Cyril Gunn is that, oh, by the way, my knee was blown up. But, you know, when he fights again and for whom with all that's going on is, you know, it's the million dollar question. That is the question, and I don't have an answer because I don't even think Francis Ngannou knows. He's going to sit out. Obviously, him and the UFC are at war, at war right now. Uh, Cyril, I mean, Francis wants not. It's not even about the money. It's about his his words. Were like he wants it to be fair, which is like, how do you argue that? Because it's what he's been going through isn't fair. Like Francis Ngannou did the meteor. Like Francis Ngannou was on like. Like with Trevor Noah, he got his own like cyberpunk, a cyberpunk, cyber currency thing, whatever you call it, cryptocurrency thing. Uh, he's he's got his own like all of this stuff he got on his own and his manager. The UFC wasn't doing that for him. Uh, he should be the biggest star the UFC has right now outside of Conor McGregor, and they're they're freaking fighting over contracts and stuff. It's it's unfortunate. Um, I don't know the answer, but Francis Ngannou deserves to have like. I'm sure we're going to talk about it by the end. Did you see how much money Tyson Fury is making to fight Dillian White? Yeah, I did. And I know it's not a gimme. I know Dillian White can box. I understand that. I know some of the arguments is like, oh, this is you know not even one of his good opponents. Dillian White's a very good heavyweight boxer. That Dillian said, White is the third, arguably no, the he, third no. heavyweight. What, what, I'm, what I'm saying is I know what you're saying. it's I know not what you're the draw that you would think yeah. is the it's reason for It's not Anthony Joshua. Yes. That's it's, the Dillian White is a, is an incredibly hard fight that won't make you a lot, that won't sell a lot. Exactly. And I know the fighter pay thing is a huge deal, and Francis didn't even clear a million for this fight. And, you know, I, I think that he's bringing to light, to the surface, a lot of issues. Like, it's not just a Francis yeah. issue, a Francis discrimination issue. It's the whole the whole system. You know, he doesn't have to fight. I mean, he's he's honored his contract, and he doesn't have to re-up. No one's forcing right. him to. But the fact that he's right. a heavyweight champion and didn't lose this fight adds that other wrinkle to it as well. I just don't know. You know, in in MMA, I don't know where the payout would come from. But if he gets into the, 
the Jake Paul method, if he tries to cross over, does something there, you know he'll get paid for that. The UFC can pay him. They're just not. Like, to mm-hmm. put into perspective, yeah. like, Tyson Fury is making, what, $32 million <laughs> yeah. to box Dillian White. The entire card at UFC 270, not just Francis, barely cleared $1 million total. And there were, what, 11 fights on the card, 10 yeah. fights? I don't care if you don't like MMA or you don't like boxing. That's just wrong. It just, there's no argument for it. So I just, Francis deserves everything he wants, maybe more. Uh, and I'm glad that someone is finally speaking out. That's going to be a big one to see. Uh, Jose Young's here from MMA Fighting. Um, you know, and I did want to mention, too, before we kind of forecast ahead, even before, because you were one of the first people that brought this up, even before Amanda lost that fight, I went back and, and watched based on what you said about Kayla Harrison, and I was in that camp that she's the best in the world. I did my homework, yeah. and I'm like, I don't think anyone could beat her. Kayla is, is, <laughs> cuts a mean promo. She is an astounding fighter, and she's also just huge. Huge. That's the thing. Like, size-wise, that is tough to beat. I hear from people training ATT that she's just, like, the strongest fighter at the gym. <laughs> like, she just throws people around. Like, she just bodies people. So, yeah, I Amanda Nunez is the greatest female fighter who ever lived. Kay, right now, Kayla Harrison just might be the most talented and best well-rounded fighter. And, and Also, styles yeah. just make fights. Like, that's literally, like... She, Kayla Harrison just might have the tools to beat Juliana Pena and uh, and Cyborg and Amanda and Balance, all of these people. She just might have the style to do it. I just want to see, I mean, the, the Pena win, I don't think as many people were, were necessarily popping because of the upset, which obviously was a big deal and it was a great reaction. But there's just been so many one-sided fights. And I like watching Amanda fight. I like watching Valentina, Cyborg when she fights. But there's just been so much dominance. Like it, it's good yeah. to see a competitive fight at the elite level, and you know, adding another another person to the mix, I think, is only going to increase that. Yeah, that's why strawweight is the best division yes. in women's MMA because, like, Ro, both that second Rose Whaley fight, incredible. Mm-hmm. Like Whaley Yoana might be the greatest title fight ever. Uh, both oh, yeah. that second Rose Yoana fight, like these are all bangers like not just like for women's mma but just mma in general they're fantastic fights now the valent the 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 valentina amanda fight both of them those are a little weird because the first fight was only three rounds and i think valentina was starting to pick it up but the problem is she just ran out of time because of of you know there's only three rounds uh and the second one was so close but there wasn't a lot happening in that fight it wasn't a war it was just like a technical fight that went to a decision that a lot of people, including myself, think Valentina won. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, but I agree there wasn't as much happening. Not a complete robbery, but I would have scored it the other way. Uh, but when you have, you know, in, in all these fights, especially the sequels and trilogies, you know, there's been the fact that the, the fighter has to go back who's lost and dig deeper, find something different, work on it, make adjustments. They become a better fighter. The fights are, are better as well. I think it's just good to have that competition where you don't know the outcome and where it's such a such an even matchup speaking well, of which what, from, yeah, go ahead. from what i hear before we move on i think a man i've heard amanda nunez is starting her own team now too so she might have left att Ooh. i don't know the full details Ooh. on that or if that's a because a kayla harrison is there type situation i honestly don't know but i think that's something that we're gonna have to like look into a lot more wow it could be her just needing that needing to recharge and you know it's it's tough at the top to stay there to stay motivated and that loss might have just you know re-energized her focus but speaking of digging deeper and having to come back, I mean, the next UFC pay-per-view, 271, 
uh, February 12th, so like 11 days from now or so. Yeah. Are you getting to that point of getting ready to pick Bobby Knuckles to pull the upset? Because you told me personally that you think that was the worst fight he could have had against his yeah. first time. He's done Without nothing but clean out the division since to get this rematch. It's taken forever, but now here we are. I mean, the... I would like, and it's it's the problem with MMA because when someone loses, that doesn't necessarily mean they're worse than the other person because right people have date off days. These two are essentially the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird of the middleweight division. Like back in the day, who was better? Like that was a legitimate argument. The difference is how many times they play each other in the finals, and they both like they won some, lost some. One. I think they faced each other only three, and the Lakers won twice. But then yeah. they kept missing each other too that decade. But, so yeah, right. But all both of the ones that the Celtics lost, like those were epic mm-hmm. finals. Like they weren't just being blown out like four zero and stuff like that. Like those are really good finals matchups. Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker had a super off day. Uh, Heaves even admits that Izzy got in his head. He just got in his head, and I was I played out of my element. I also think part of it, like, because if you watch Izzy's Izzy's toughest fight so far has obviously been the Gaslam fight, which also might, which is one of the greatest yeah. title fights I've ever seen in my life. What a card that was, by the way. That was Poirier Holloway, right? I know Poirier <laughs> Holloway. In any Jeez. other world, Poirier Holloway is the best Jeez. fight of the year, and that card just didn't wow. work out. Uh, the problem, so I, and if you watch that fight, Kelvin found a lot of success with like bullying. Like 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 rushing in and making it dirty, and I really think that maybe Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker saw that and would go, "Oh, I have to just pressure him nonstop and make this an ugly fight." And Izzy was more than ready for that. Robert Whitaker fought out of his head uh, and just lost. Like he admits, "I lost. He got in my head." I think that's very important. Since then, Robert Whitaker has basically knocked out every single challenge he has. Like not knocked out, but like put on clinic. Like. Beating Jared Cannonier convincingly, beating Kelvin Gastelum, like these are guys that uh, he's like the, if, whoever beats Rob, Bobby Knuckles is going to fight for the title, and Robert Whitaker is just knocking them off uh, <laughs> to the point where like I really like they're it's just they're the two best like they'll mm-hmm. like if they like it's Robert Whitaker Izzy and then a big gap and then like Derek Brunson and Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier on is, this card. <laughs> Jared Cannonier is is a wild card. Because he is a monster. Cannonier had the title fight like what a year ago, but then Whitaker just knocked. Just I mean, he didn't knock him out, but it was a three round domination. That was one of the Abu Dhabi fights, I believe. Correct. And Jared Cannonier broke his arm in like the first five seconds of that fight. (laughs) So like, there are elements you have to take into consideration. Into considerations because, like, Jared Cannonier not only was like he knocked out Hermanson, knocked out Silva, knocked out David Prench. Also, all of those. Those three wins I just said were in his opponent's backyard, beating Davis Branch in New York, beating Anderson Silva in Brazil, beating Jack Hermanson in Denmark, and just violently putting them away. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he lost to Robert Whitaker, but uh, like I said, he like broke his arm, like within the fir- in like the first flurry, he broke his like, and it wasn't even like oh a chip, like his his ulna or something like broke. So he was like comp- he basically fought Robert Whitaker one handed. For 15 minutes. I don't care who you are. You're not winning. So I think Jared Cannonier is the wild card, but Izzy and Robert Whitaker are, are clearly the two best middleweights in the world. And I literally, like, I don't care if this is for a title or not. I just want to see them fight again. I, I agree. I just think 
selfishly, I would really like to see Whitaker win because that gives us a trilogy. And sure. if Izzy wins here, I mean, it's like, yeah, where else do you go? He's he's done it all. He's beaten Whitaker sure. twice then. So sure. uh, that should be fun. It's unfortunate it's not able to kind of be, you know, in their region of the world, but is what it is. UFC 270, uh, t- you know, UFC 271 should be pretty good with uh, Lewis and uh, and uh, Tivasa on there as well. So some some shenanigans there in that uh, in that co-main. I really hope that that fight opens the main card. Oh, I don't yeah. want that. You know what? That's good. We were talking about this last time. That's that's what they should be doing now. Like the I Chandler I uh, Gaethje method. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Plus, like Derek Lewis is from Houston, so no matter who you put on after. Like it's like the, it's like the uh, the WWE. They always have like these like when they lay out their match orders, you kind of need a palate cleanser because you're just like emotionally exhausted from the previous like uh-huh. match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like Derek, like it's it that's like the problem that the New York card did. Like Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler fought in the in what MMA fighting voted as the fight of the year. The next fight, like the very next fight, was. Shane Burgos and Billy Corantillo and that fight was amazing and <laughs> yeah. no one cared because they were like emotionally spent from Gaethje and Chandler like any other fight card that's the best fight of the fight of the night right and it just it got it just got overshadowed and the crowd was just not into it which is a bummer I hope they uh, they heed our advice. That'd be a great idea. Uh, but it should be a good card. Uh, Jose, before you go, um, I do want to ask you what your thoughts were on uh, you know the Royal Rumble Ugh. because it wasn't great. It definitely wasn't. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just here's my thoughts. Royal Rumble, nostalgic, great. The Women's Royal Rumble, it's a nice addition. Uh, but I just don't see the WWE getting any younger, and that's where I keep coming back to. Like, who are the new stars? It's the same ones from the last five ten years. I would even go so far as say personally, this is the worst Royal Rumble, men's Royal Rumble I have seen in my life. It was pretty predictable, and yeah, I, I think it's not about only as even bad as it gets. Not even just predictable, but like, did Brock and Ronda need to win? Like, are they le- would they be less of a superstar if they didn't lose? If they didn't win? No, and and like what Brock like just gets my... number? He just gets number thirty after he loses the t- after he loses right. the title. Like that and was like, the part. What that... Shane? What Shane McMahon's just gonna come out at like twenty eight and just like clean uh-huh. house for a bit? Like it's silly. Yeah. Like they how? And given, also like they should have given Randy Orton more time at home. I mean the crowd absolutely. They should like I him. like they should have had someone like Matt Riddle or Austin yes. Theory or yes. like one of those guys like that need the win. Like Ronda also looked really bad in there. Like let's not forget that she didn't look that great. But like where were like where was Cesaro? Mm. Where was Finn Balor? Where were these like established stars that can put on good matches and like like bat like how many surprises? Like you know how like. Yeah, there was that's, none in the men's side. There was like none. The, Bad Bunny was the only one. Oh, and yeah. I and I think Bad Bunny is the greatest <laughs> celebrity wrestler that WWE's ever had. I I will die on that hill. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. In terms of like what he's done in the ring, in the matches he's put on, and his like actual respect and passion for the business, there's no one better than Bad Bunny that yeah. WWE has ever brought in. Um, but like other than that, like. Where was every like? Where were the legends? Where were the surprises? Where were the NXT people? Like, mm-hmm. like I remember when when the Royal Rumble was in Arizona, we had like when uh, what was his name and oh, man, what was his Alistair Black was still in NXT and Ricochet in, yeah. and all these guys. Like, we got Dean Ambrose and 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 
uh, what's his name? Um, what what name did I just say? What's Malachi's black? Alistair old, Black old was there. Alistair yeah. Black. That we had like an interaction was there. We had like uh, um, uh, Johnny Gargano and like oh, like doing things. We had Tommaso Ciampa and Randy Orton doing things. Like that was interesting. That was like 1998 seeing Pedro Martinez for the Red Sox pitch against Mark McGuire for the Cardinals. It's the only day it's going to happen. And that made it that much more right. fun. And there was none of that this time. It I was just, silly. I just don't think they had any plan. Like for the WWE title, I think they have no plans what they want to do. So they're like, let's just go to Brock and have him win to lock in the Roman match. And same with, I guess, Ronda. Like, I don't, I just, I agree that they didn't need it. They were fine. They were going to get there anyway, you know? I thought it would be better to create some stars, um, but that's not the case, and that's. I, I it's even more disappointing when I heard the original plan was for Matt Riddle to win. I know, yeah, I'm a big Riddle fan. I think the character's great, his work's good. Um, I'm a huge fan. I'm a fan of what he does, and I think his time. And will then come, instead, but... they, instead they have imagine telling Matt Riddle, who fought in the UFC, has like one of not I wouldn't say championship caliber. He fought some tough guys in the UFC. He wasn't like. Bobby Lashley fighting in like shark mm-hmm. fights like like Matt Riddle also there's photos out there of Matt Riddle winning the New York State Wrestling Championship and John Jones sitting on the podium in third place mm. like that's how good Matt Riddle is at wrestling and fighting and then you're like hey Matt uh, Shane McMahon is going to run in and he's going to throw punches at you and you have to act like he's beating <laughs> you up yeah. like come on I know man. that's like, pretty come bad on. he took a good destroyer was... though from Bad Buddy he did yeah, that, um, again, just shows you how good of a wrestler Matt Riddle is yeah. and how much this would have benefited him. more. Also, like that probably would have set up Matt Riddle versus Randy Orton. Ooh. And that's the fight. That's the match that should be happening. Yeah, I'm with you there. Big Riddle fan. Well, Jose, this was fun. I want to end this on a high note. So let's end this on a high note. Right. Dawn FM. Where are we at with that? Have you have you listened to it nonstop? Ooh, good question. So I've listened to it pretty relentlessly to the point where I'm like, all right, I need to like takes a step back from it i really like it i don't want to say it's definitely because i'm gonna when i when i say these names like because i i like obviously like you're a weekend diehard like you're yeah like from day one in Mm -hmm. 2011 so when i say the trilogy i'm not i don't call it the trilogy like i call it house of balloons like montreal and all this stuff house of balloons to me is his best work that's his first mixtape I think that's the best stuff the weekend's ever done. That's what got me into it, and I'm I'm not even saying that nostalgic. Nothing's topped it. Okay. Um, but what I appreciate about the weekend is every album that comes out is pretty much something new, so it's hard to compare. After Hours was was really good. After Hours was very very good. Beauty Behind the Madness was very good, and I think. Ooh, I don't think so. I don't think it's better than those two, but I think it's on par with Starboy. Yeah, I was a huge fan of this one. Same thing. I think I, the fact that everything's a little different is nice, uh, and I just like the. I mean, the the basis of all of his music is that soul, like in yeah. some form. And I like the you know the the synth pop. I liked it had that old school vibe of like you know. I just like it was something, something new. classic. Yeah, and it was something new. And I like the dance beats that he makes too because it's not something you typically hear. Um, no, I was a fan. It was something new. Not every song is gonna just hit with everybody, but he he put some good good effort into this, and I was a fan of it. And his production is still tough to beat. Yeah. It's and like the thing is like if you were to tell me that Dawn FM was his best, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. That's how strong his catalog is. Now, 
if someone wants to come up to me and say Kissland is his best, I'm like, oh, you're just silly and you've never listened to The Weekend before in your life because that's like really the only answer. Yeah. Echoes of Silence is fine. There are some really strong songs, but that's like, and My Dear Melancholy, I think, was also fine. So I wouldn't put those three in anywhere near the top five. Man, but like, because like I'm thinking about it now, like Thursday, which was his second mixtape. If you want to tell me that that's his right. best album, I'm gonna I, be like, is it? It might be. So for, it might be number two. For me, it was when I first heard it. I'm like, wow, this might be his best. And then I went back and re-listened. I'm like, okay, well maybe not. His, I kind of walked back a little, but not from the discussion because it does give you that when you listen to something new from him, you're like, wow, this might be the best one he did. And then you're like, oh, I got to re-listen to the whole catalog. And then there's an entire yeah. couple of days. But, I generally, I, I'll, 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 I'm gonna lock, lock it in. House of Balloons is number one. And then, goddamn, there's. I, I might know, put I, this. Too. There's a, I mean, I mean, this might be my. Uh, man, I did like Beauty Behind the Madness well, like, if, a lot. If, that if really you, did. If you tell me, if I it, like today it could be number two, tomorrow it could be number five. Like it's like yeah. Thursday was Thursday was so good. After Hours was so good. Beauty Behind the Madness was so good. It's mm. those it's are my tough. top five. Star, mm. Starboy probably sits at six. Uh, my dear melancholy seven, probably echoes of silence eight, and Kissland nine, and then Dawn FM. I'll probably put four. Wow, wow, top yeah. five status. But like, but honestly, one through four is like one, and then two A, two B, two C. It's whatever. It's whatever mood you're feeling <laughs> it's, for sure. It's so 100%. that's part of it. So also like for Jim Carrey being a guest. I know, and I like that is baffling. Also like Tyler, shout out Tyler the Creator, great guest spot on that too. Yeah. But I will say, uh, um, "Call Me If You Get Lost" by Tyler Creator is still the best album in the year to me. Yeah, I mean that that was different. That was something, and it was good. It was a nice resurgent year for music, and I'm just glad oh, that sure. uh, we're starting out 2022. It's with, like uh, the weekend. it's like a lot of artists just had a lot of time to sit at home and write music. <laughs> it is. It is. Weekend still going strong. Uh, Jose Young's pleasure having you on the show. Keep up the good work at MMA Fighting, and uh, we'll be catching up soon. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch. Hope, hopefully, we can talk about baseball. <laughs> hopefully, I'm optimistic. There's always fighting. There's always wrestling in the weekend, but I hope we have baseball next time too. Peace, homie. Huge thanks to Jose Young. It's always a pleasure to talk. MMA, professional wrestling, some baseball, and the weekend. I think we hit all of, all of his main interests on today's show, except for comic books, but that'll probably be next time. But thank you again to Jose. Always a pleasure chatting with him. One of the smartest minds in uh, mixed martial arts, for sure. Now we're going to switch topics, go to football. Tyler Tesson has a lot to discuss on the state of the NFL game, where it is now Bengals, Rams, and the Super Bowl, the future of Jimmy G, a lot of quarterbacks, uh, Aaron Rodgers, one of them, a lot of quarterbacks could be going to new homes, Tom Brady's retirement, what that means, uh, maybe the greatest career in all of uh, professional sports. We break down the coaching circles, the Brian Flores lawsuit, some jobs opening up, the Broncos are for sale, and the Washington football team has a new name. It's Tyler Tesson on a lot of pro football topics. Here he is now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, it's time to talk football here on the Money Mitch Effect. Good friend of the program, Tyler Tesson, and uh, to talk on field and off field. Tyler, thanks for joining the show. Uh, there, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I think on field we have to start with, but 
it really doesn't end in the news cycle in the NFL if we're, if we're talking on two off field. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Mitch. Who would have thought the day Brady announced his retirement, he would have been Trump by the end of the day? <laughs> yeah, by like three stories. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Uh, I do want to get to the Super Bowl matchup. It's going to be Bengals and Rams, which we all know by now, but. Uh, not what anybody had preseason. Uh, it's the first Super Bowl matchup, I think. I think maybe ever, definitely in a long time. It doesn't involve any one or two seeds. But the Bengals getting here behind Joe Burrow and what he did really does make me salty because it proves it can be done, taking an essentially poverty franchise all the way to the Super Bowl. And for him to do it in, in you know two plus, basically two plus years is pretty pretty insane. Uh, another example of this kid just being an absolute gamer, a winner, and uh, making up for some of the physical gifts that maybe his counterparts have. He just wins big football games. Yeah, and, I mean, coming off major knee surgery last year, too, it's not even like he got to play a full rookie year. It's nuts. I mean, he, in that Chiefs game especially, it just shows you how tough he is. Like, I was definitely in the in the majority, like a lot of people, saying, I don't know why they didn't draft the lineman here. Jamar Chase has been a beast all year. He's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But, you know, they didn't draft Sewell. They didn't really do much to address their line. And it's not like those criticisms are are invalid because he takes a beating. And I don't know that there might not be anyone that could take the beating he's doing and still keep getting up. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got so many good offensive weapons around him. But they're going to have to get their line short off this offseason because, you just can't have somebody get beat up that bad every game. I mean, he was running around like a madman against the Chiefs. I mean, it was like he was just on the run the whole game. It really was, um, you know, and, and they they were able to just keep him at bay enough. They they moved the ball well enough. They, you know, the Jamar Chase was obviously going to be bracketed based on how good he's done. The other players stepped up. And tight end goes down with an injury, but they're still able to make it make it happen, and they come back from 18 down. It's weird to say, though, that as great as he played, as clutch as the kicker was, all those things, it was really the other side of the ball that made the difference in this game. And part of that is giving credit to the Bengals. Their defense stepped up and, and did a great job. Hubbard and those boys were after it. But I think this is going to be remembered for a long time as just a Chiefs choke job. Like, they obviously just underperformed. That second half was abysmal from all the star players, Mahomes all the way down. Yeah. No, absolutely. You can't be up, what was it, almost 20 points going into yeah. halftime. And yeah, and they left them on the table at the end of that first half, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was ridiculous. But the other part that's kind of crazy to think about, I mean, I, I know everybody – drawing the similarities to uh, Burrow to Brady, but the Bengals kicker has played a huge role this year. I mean, he's made some clutch kicks all year, and I mean, to have a run like this, you've got to have a good kicker, and I think he's a rookie, too, on top of it. Yeah, rookie from Florida actually drafted him, so he was a a fifth-round draft pick, but it's kind of controversial to even draft a kicker in any round anymore, Uh, but he's clearly proving worth it. Yeah, the clutch kicker thing is is huge to bring up as well. Even the teams that were knocked out. I mean, Robbie Gold made a ton of big kicks for the Niners, and Butker extended the Chiefs' season multiple times these last two weeks. So it is true you need to have something like that. But I I couldn't get over Mahomes having the game that he had. Uh, The decision-making on, uh, you know, and I don't think that the Reed or Biennemi called great plays especially. Uh, But the end of the half to, to not, 
you know, come away with anything to even throw that pass to Tyreek Hill. And that last drive of regulation, it was just bizarre decision-making by Mahomes, who, you know, could have had a couple more passes picked off before that OT interception, but he just seemed like he was out of it. Don't want to ever, you know, assume an injury or whatnot, but he was clearly off, and, you know, if he's even just a little bit more on, the Chiefs are probably playing in this game. Yeah, and the Chiefs didn't really have a run game all year, which, you know, I don't know how much of a role it played, but they, you know, I mean, it's kind of weird. You overthink. I mean, the Chiefs were pretty bad for, like, there was like a five-game stretch Mm -hmm. there where they were losing to bad teams and barely beating bad teams. I mean, they just, I mean, they got on a roll at the end of the year, but they did not seem like the same Chiefs this year, and that offense just wasn't quite what it was in the past. Because I mean, really, when they started playing well is when their defense stepped up in the second half of the year. Yeah, and then, you know, the season was so long that they eventually kind of reverted a little bit. There were some holes in the secondary. The Bills obviously exposed a lot. The Bengals were able to get to them. Uh, and they just couldn't get it done. So now they're back to the kind of the drawing board. It's it's another year. It's three Super Bowls. It's four straight conference championship games at home. But um, they're going to have to see what happens there. Props to the Bengals for, for getting there. And they're going to play the Rams, who are finally able to overcome Tyler. McVay was finally able to overcome Shanahan. They, he gets that win after six straight losses to him. And they had to rally as well. I'm going to remember the dropped interception that completely flipped this game because <laughs> that was about as about a gimme if ever there was one. And from that moment on, the Rams just locked back in and, and never did look back. Yeah, I mean, that was the critical part. I mean, if he makes that catch, San Francisco's winning that game. I don't think the Rams had timeouts Maybe. left. <laughs> no, and if San Francisco wins, it might have been the lowest-rated Super Bowl ever. It would have been the 49ers yeah, Jimmy G and Joe Burrow, that would have been something. I I think eventually the, the, the thing that made the difference in this game the first time probably in six games, the Rams were able to kind of slow down the, the Niners' run game. I don't want to pile on Jimmy G too much, but when they made him have to throw the ball consistently and just took away the run game, that's when they got, the Rams got the results they wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think if... You know, it, it's incredible San Francisco made it that far <laughs> with Garoppolo. But, I mean, there was so much speculation about him going into the year. But if, if they needed any type of confirmation that he's not an yeah. elite quarterback and he's just – he's going to be as good as your run game and defense can get you, but he's never going to carry it. you got to yeah. throw it <laughs> in this, all game like all these other QBs are. And this Niners defense uh, wasn't as good as the Super Bowl run. The secondary wasn't nearly as good. Uh, still a lot to like up front, you know, how they get after it with Bosa and Armstead and Warner in the, in the, in the linebacking crew. But, yeah, I mean – the Niners are, have to feel good about the run they went on. They've still got Debo Samuel, and they still got Shanahan calling plays, so they're going to be you know, primed to, to reload here. But for the Rams, I mean, it was – really it was, uh, unfortunately for me, it was the guys that had a lot to prove that did kind of get over the hump. Stafford plays the biggest game of his career into his first Super Bowl. They double-teamed basically the whole game, almost Cooper Cup, so Odell Beckham steps up for them. They got production from the guys that they needed it from. Like they, they don't win the, that game without Beckham and, and Stafford playing as well in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jefferson had a couple big catches too, um, and then losing Higby didn't help. Mm-hmm. But no, Stafford played well. It was, you know, they over, they overcame. They had some struggles like the Chiefs. They were inconsistent all year, but I, I think the key matchup 
it's going to be interesting in the Super Bowl. Is the Rams' line is so good, but their secondary is terrible. Yeah. So it's, but the Bengals' line is terrible, but the receivers are great. It's just if the Bengals' line can hold up, I feel like Burrow could just shred the Rams. But if he doesn't have time, it's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, I mean Eric Weddle, who is on this, he's thirty nine and was just hanging out a couple weeks ago, is is you know one of the lead guys in the secondary. I think this might be, from what I've read, one of the biggest mismatches in, in the trenches in Super Bowl history. The Rams come in number one or number two in like every category on D line, and the Bengals O line is like thirty or worse in every category. So yeah, that's going to be huge as well. But I think it's going to be a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's a fascinating matchup for sure. Uh, and just to close the book on the Niners, I mean, everybody, even he said it at his press conference, everyone knows this is the end for Jimmy G in San Francisco. I think there's a formula out there to where if you are, I don't want to say desperate, but if you're a team that has the core pieces in place, maybe even like my Cleveland Browns, there is a formula where Jimmy G can be competent, but he's not going to you know, single-handedly win you anything. Yeah, which when you're playing against the elite quarterbacks and you know you get a get a drive going with under two minutes that you know jimmy g's just not your guy yeah yeah i think there'll be there'll be a job somewhere you you just want to know where that's going to be where he's going to land um you know the big bombshell uh obviously today tom brady retiring from the nfl well officially today a couple days ago that story got leaked which i find very (laughs) fascinating not necessarily the, the adam schefter component he's been under fire for a couple different things but Tyler, I think the other side of it, Jeff Darlington obviously knows Brady's camp pretty well. He was pretty much the first one on the money with him going to Tampa Bay and, and being on that track. I, I think it's what I mean, I feel like it's a possibility that it was he was filming stuff for his documentary. Like obviously then that's gonna leak. Yeah. Yeah, it was really weird because Brady kinda he just stayed quiet until today, but there was like things from the family leak that no decision was actually made yet, but <laughs> I feel like people knew. I mean, there's people, you know, reports today that were saying they could almost tell in his last game that they thought it was over. So it seems like it was kind of speculated. Everybody thought it was coming. I mean, there's no right time to retire when you're 34 and haven't dipped really much at all. Uh, That said, you know, what else left is there to accomplish for this guy? I mean, and, and, you know, if he wanted to walk out on top, he could have done it like five times in the last, like, you know, how many years? Yeah. So, um, I do think it's the best. Well, maybe. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, they, Bucks do have some cap issues that she's going in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how much, like, the Antonio Brown stuff had to do, but I mean, you got to get to a point where you're Brady's age. You're probably kind of like, how much more do I want to deal with this? Yeah. You know, you kind of went from a extremely buttoned up organization to where Arians kind of just lets the guys play. So I don't, I don't know if anybody will know, but it'll it'll be interesting. And he'll lose the way he did. He goes down, gets a game winning drive, and then miscommunication on his defense and give up a massive touchdown cup. It's just it's got to be a bad way to go down. I I just don't think I don't think we'll ever see a better career in team sports again in our lifetime. That that's where I'm at. Like in terms of the, the totality of it, I don't understand how it happened, and I can't see it happening again in any of the four main sports. Yeah, and just the longevity. I mean, I mean, this is one of his best you know statistical <laughs> yeah. years that he's had, and I mean, just the discipline he has for his body and just 
mentally and I mean the guy's just so dedicated I mean that's the only reason he played as long as he could I mean you look at Brady who's what 44 and then Big Ben who's <laughs> what I, maybe 40 and I mean yeah. Big Ben looks like you can barely even walk and Brady looks better than he did when he came into the league yeah, it looks faster too. Ben, uh, yeah, Ben finished up at thirty nine, and uh, I love the move of him just completely stealing all the thunder from the Hall of Fame ceremony for Big Ben in five years, which will just be an afterthought now because it's probably going to include yeah. Brock as well. I mean, he's got to be done too. Yeah, I mean, I, all the reports were he was going to. If Brady came back, he was back. If Brady didn't, he was done. <laughs> of course, yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. Unless, like, Rodgers goes to some super team that's ready to win now and Gronk just feels like he can maybe go in for a year and get another one. You never know. So, yeah, the the Rodgers stuff, I mean, first they lose that game at home. They don't perform offensively. But still, even with that, I find it hard to believe he's walking away now. He's still got, you know, he's going to win the MVP. He's still got, you know, at least, I would say, at least conservatively three or four years left at a really high level. But, from a football standpoint, do you? Because my thought process is, why would he leave the Packers? It's the easiest path to getting to the playoffs again. That's where I keep coming back to. Yeah, and it seems like him and Matt Lafleur have a good relationship, mm-hmm. from what it sounds like. And all the reports are pretty much Adams is going wherever Rodgers goes. So mm-hmm. if he stays, he's staying. So he's yeah. got his guy. I mean, I feel like. You know, there was obviously issues with ownership and higher-level management, but you'd think LaFleur could get that kind of squared away just to keep him around for a couple more years. Because, I mean, they've, they've got a team, you know, you have a good draft class this year, get a couple key free agents. I mean, there's no reason they can't win at all, especially yeah. if Brady retiring. That just makes the road <laughs> even easier. And the yeah. Rams' cap they, problems, yeah. they're going to be a mess next year. Yeah, they they don't have a draft pick, what, for like 30 years? No, it's like something crazy <laughs> like that. But, um, you know, yeah, I, the that was my prediction from the beginning is that he's definitely playing wherever Adams is playing next year. And you know, everyone's talking Denver. They hired his OC Hackett. But does he really want to play in Herbert and Mahomes' division? I don't. And same with the Raiders, even if that is option. Like, does he want to play for Josh McDaniels? I don't know. So I guess the only options I would see him leaving for would be Denver I would maybe throw in uh, the Colts as like a dark horse. Just maybe that's something that he would consider doing. But aside from that, I, I yeah. still think Green Bay is the odds and favorite, and it would make the most sense for him to stay. Plus, every other coach and GM in that count, in division has been fired in the last like two years. So, <laughs> might yeah. as well just stay. What do I mean? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay oh. could be an option. Or did some New Orleans too? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Go down that road. The Sean Payton thing is fascinating. If you know because. That's the NFC South might actually you might be right. It might be the only division worse than the Packers, depending on where Rodgers plays yeah. next year, or the NFC North, I should say. Because who like good luck picking a winner in that division now. Right. Yeah, I mean the Saints were good because of Sean Payton. I mean now you either got Tyson Hill or Javis Winston without Sean Payton, which is not gonna go well. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at, you know, because he's under a contract, he's got a couple more years. If he ever did want to come back to coaching, he'd have they'd have to get compensated, but it's not that much. It's not unique to, you know, the sport itself. The, I mean, the nervous, most nervous guy in the NFL next year about that's got to be Mike McCarthy, right? Because he now he has a direct per- person that they could hire or they will probably target if they're not happy with him. Yeah, I I haven't really heard the whole – I mean, because there were those rumors a couple of years ago that he was going to get traded or, you know, bought out from other teams. 
seemed like this was going to come in for a while, but I I feel like it's one of those situations he's going to take a year, maybe two years off, and then he's just going to wait for the right opportunity and come back. Yeah, definitely a year. After that, he might get restless. But even if he's if he's not sure, he can still just wait some more. You know, if it, if the right opportunity is Dallas, yeah. or if he's just not itching to go back in, might do some TV, might just travel around, and you know, have that first. You know, other than when he got suspended, obviously, but have that time to just you know decompress a little bit. I think that'll be good. But yeah, it was pretty remarkable. I mean, even this year, they were a game out of the playoffs. It took the Niners rallying in Week 18. For them to miss the playoffs yeah. with Taysom Hill and like Trevor Simeon as his quarterbacks, just how good right. of a coach he is. Yeah, and I, I'm sure he probably wanted to coach one year without Brees to just show he could do it without him. But if, I think if Drew Brees is still playing, I bet he's still coaching. Yeah, a couple more football things here with Tyler Tesson on the Money Mitch effect talking NFL. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to dive into with some of the off the field stuff, but I do want to mention as of right now. The Vikings are about to interview or will be interviewing uh, Jim Jim Harbaugh, and it looks like he's going to get the job, which, you know, there's nothing been reported yet. He just appears to be like the odds-on favorite and obviously wants it. Like, that's that's the part where he – I don't think he'd be getting to this point, Tyler, if he wasn't serious about making the move from Michigan back to the NFL, which is pretty – I mean, shouldn't say hard to believe based on his track record, but, you know, the guy has one good year at Michigan, and it's all right, what's on to the next challenge? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of strange because you kind of thought it might have been he just rode in the sunset with Michigan, being his alma mater and having such a great year. Maybe he knows this year was a bit of an anomaly and it wasn't going to be sustainable at Michigan. So kind of leave on a high note there. Or <laughs> yeah, it could just be unfinished business in the NFL, losing in the Super Bowl. I, yeah, I just, I mean, this is like, it, it's going to be the state. Is this his standard for success the year that he had at Michigan? And is that Michigan standard of success? Just the one year you beat Ohio State and getting to the playoff and getting crushed? I mean, I don't, I'm asking that question. Like, is that the goal now to just have a year like yeah. that? You know, so, um, but I mean, look, as much as I like to clown on him from time to time, he got results in the NFL and he did it with, you know, a roster that was designed basically by him, played the type of football he wanted. The game always changes every year, so we'll see what his staff looks like. But he was a successful NFL coach. And was was successful, had two good playoff runs with two different quarterbacks. I mean, he, Alex Smith, they had some good years together. And with Kaepernick, they had, didn't I, you know, I don't think anyone's saying those are elite-type quarterbacks in the NFL. So to get to the Super Bowl is pretty impressive. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh might be back in NFL coaching circles. Um, and then one guy who's not, and I don't know that ever will be in, in the near future, this Brian Forrest stuff is pretty wild. Uh, filing a lawsuit, you know, alleging a lot of different things, racism in the hiring practices. Uh, the the thing that stood, I mean, this is not, you know, not a laughing matter at all, depending on what's proven to be true. But the fact that he's alleging that there was a pay to tank set up in Miami, that was the one that made my jaw drop like, if that because if they prove that's yeah. true, they might take the team away from Stephen Ross in Miami. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like the tough part on that one is going to be his word against you know Ross. As I guarantee, there's nothing in writing that if you lose, you're getting a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Yeah, but it just 
I mean, it, it makes sense in the grand scheme of things because I feel like everybody was really confused by that firing this year um, just with how hot they got at the end of the year. And Flores just, I mean, you can tell he's the type of coach his team fights for him and mm-hmm. shows up every week. So it it does make sense just looking at it. But, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting what all comes out. Yeah, the the allegations against uh, Denver was, I guess, that like Elway and crew were just hung over and didn't take his interview seriously, which is part of yeah. that that side of it. He was really upset he didn't get the Giants' job that Brian Dable got, and you know then the, the, he shared the screenshots of the Bill Belichick text messaging, which was you know interesting to say the least. And you wonder what what that was all about. Maybe it was just an honest mistake or. The, diabol- the diabolical side on the internet of did he really mean to leak this because he just can't stand the Giants but it's it's I, I, that was know. a weird exchange very I weird did, I in like also the other pieces because apparently they have like a very very good relationship and he was one of Belichick's like favorite assistants he had and like he I, I remember seeing some Belichick thought he would be one of the more successful mm-hmm coaches in the NFL so like I I just wonder like this floor has brought like say hey I'm doing this against the NFL and I leak our you know have your screenshots in the lawsuit like yeah. I just wonder or if like they didn't even talk about it and he was just like I'm doing this it's just right there's so many you know elements to it I just it's going to be really interesting yeah, I mean, I, I thought maybe there's still the case. I could be really naive to all this, but he could find his way back onto Belichick's staff, uh, potentially based on how good their relationship was. But, uh, no, there's a lot to investigate. There's serious issues there and, uh, you know, serious claims that you got to get to the bottom of. But there's a lot in there, and, and it's going to take some time yeah. to figure out all this stuff. But I, I Well, and the NFL is going to have a mess on their hands because – the Vikings interviewed what is it, the Giants defensive coordinator. They said for nine and a half hours today, mm-hmm. who's African American, and then reports are being leaked tonight that they're going to be signing Harbaugh tomorrow yeah. before yeah. his interview even happens. So I mean, if you're the NFL and Harbaugh, like it does happen tomorrow, where he is the head coach, it it's just kind of high on this whole so, controversy and I mean, the issues they're having right now. There's so many jobs that have been open to uh, that you know, a lot of them still haven't been filled. We know McDaniels, we know Dable, we know the the Bears got their guy. Uh, and Jacksonville, I think I think Leftwich is still in the mix, but I'm not sure. I think I think they have an official Yeah, it's what Leftwich and then our yeah, Leftwich and then what McCown was one of the yeah, leading guys. McCown for, uh, Houston, Texas. he's down there. I, 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 yeah, and I know D'Amico Ryan's might be just going back to San Francisco for a little while, which makes sense because I think that was his choice. I think he's he's super young and he'll be a head coach. It's not like he needs to rush into this. I also think just to get on Leftwich, I think there's a good chance he's going to be Tampa Bay's next head coach, whether it comes as soon as next year or not. Yeah, because Arians does not look well yeah. on the sidelines anymore. <laughs> No, and I mean, Arian's already retired once mm-hmm. from the Cardinals yeah. and decided to come back, and he got a Super Bowl now as a head coach. So I, you know, it's not like he has much to prove. And I mean, if Tampa doesn't get a quarterback, it could be a rough year for them next year. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, you know, the NFL's going to have a mess on their hands, not only just with with investigating this, but yeah, going forward with their hiring practices and whatnot. It's going to be very 
very messy. Um, but but I guess stay tuned. It's one of the many things going on off the field, especially now with we could have a name for Washington, the Commanders. So why not just add that <laughs> to the mix? Yeah, a week early, just because <laughs> it puts the sides up. But don't you think it's funny now? It's like it could be, it could have been Snyder leaking this. Like, hey, this is how like how much of a mess or how open I run my organization, how sloppy. So they would have found anything in the in the harassment investigation because of how open and wide open and ridiculous it is. Like he's trying to just show, highlight his incompetence. Yeah, which I don't think he has to try too hard <laughs> to do that <laughs> with all the issues he's had. But it's, it, it's been a wild day in the NFL, to say the least. He might be the least popular um in terms of like owner who causes the most sadness from the sense of how bad it's been for so long, but also just how young he is. Cause he's what in his fifties yeah. still. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, for an owner, yeah. In the NFL, he's relatively young. Yeah. It's, and just absolutely hated by a fan base. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Broncos are up for sale and, uh, I just, did you have any guess for how much you think they're going to go for an actual NFL team now <clears throat> on the market? based on the fact that we just had, what, 50 million viewers for the championship game? The number I saw earlier was, I think it was $4 billion, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than that. Oh, yeah. And this is, a, this is a premier, I would say, I would say probably, what, like a top 10, top 12 franchise in the NFL? Support yeah. and everything, no, success? Yeah, they haven't, they haven't been great, and you know, mm-hmm. for a while. But, yeah, I mean, historically, they're a top franchise. The NFL. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be messy. Uh I mean I'm glad that, you know, they're they're able to, you know, figure out they've had issues for a while, but you know, it's gonna be a, a hefty tag to own an NFL franchise, but you know there's billionaires out there that'll pay for it. Um last thing, Tyler, uh it's been fun. Uh just a couple of uh, just quick hitters on on you know, what do you think the quarterback position might look like for uh the future, just to guess right now for certain teams. So you know, like the Niners, for example, is it just going to be Trey Lance and that's it? Do you think they'll bring a veteran in? I I think they're going to go with Trey Lance. I feel like Shanahan's just going to go all in and just say, this is my guy. I feel like it's just mm-hmm. going to muddy the waters to bring a veteran in. I mean, they'll probably they'll have to bring somebody in from a backup, but I don't think it's going to be somebody that's that good where you consider him as a potential starter. Is it still Rodgers with Jordan Love backing him up in Green Bay? I I just feel like he's gonna leave. Wow. I don't know where he's gonna end up, but I I don't know. I just got when he's gonna leave. Denver, you think? Speaking of the Broncos. Yeah, another one people have been floating out there. A lot would have to happen, but Tennessee. Ooh. I mean, a team that's ready to win. You got more weapons around you. And I mean, I I think they're just a quarterback away. Could you figure out a way to get Devontae there too? Because then you could have. I mean, maybe Julio's not part of it, but Devontae, A.J. Brown, and Aaron Rodgers, and Derrick Henry? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, wow. and a defense that's unbelievable, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. it's, but I know TML's got a pretty big contract, but, yeah, I that, that's the one sleeper I think that's out there okay. where Rabel would have to work some magic to make that happen. What about Kirk Cousins? And uh, I'll give you three. I'll give you Cousins, Carr, and Matt Ryan. Are they all in the same place, different place, all different places? What do you think? That's the veteran yeah, market right now. Yeah. 
I think Carl stay just because with getting Josh McDaniel, you yeah. got an offensive-minded guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be the long-term solution there, but I bet you know until McDaniel finds his guy um, in the draft, that's yeah. I, be I, actually, there. I feel like Carr stays. I think Ryan probably stays now because that division's like winnable. You know, they might think, yeah. "Hey, we can. We don't have to do anything." I think. I think Minnesota's going to blow it up. I think Cousins is on the move. And to be honest, I mean, I would take him in Cleveland. <laughs> so it's like maybe yeah. that's the guy there. To I mean, that, that guy has had the strangest career. I mean, just the he gets a max contract every three years. I mean, he's yeah. made more money. It's, but the thing is, like he's you know he's been about what like in that like what would you say ten to fourteen range of quarterback ish or so. Yeah. Which is fine, and honestly, a team like my Browns, where the defense is pretty good, you have Miles Garrett, you have good secondary that's you know getting better, and you have a good run game, and, and maybe the best line in the a, one of the best lines in the AFC in all football. You just don't need to. You need a quarterback that's just not going to turn the ball over, and that's the one thing I think Cousins has done pretty well is just not turn it over. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, he's not. He's another one. I mean, he's a better version of Jimmy G. Like I don't know that he wins you these big games, these shootouts, but. You could do a heck of a lot worse, and a lot of teams have tried to do a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, outside of your elite guys, I mean, he's he's right that like he's obviously not in that elite category, but he's he's a solid quarterback. You know, like if I'm like a Tampa Bay or a team that's got the players around him, I mean, he's the perfect guy to plug in rather than relying on a rookie, you know, or some journeyman backup that has you know is not going to do anything for you. Yeah, the last the last one he'll I have. Get, for, he'll get paid. Oh, he will. <laughs> the last ones I have for you could be the same answer, could be different. Uh, Pittsburgh and then Deshaun Watson is that the matchup, or they both go in different directions next year? What do you think the Steelers and also Deshaun Watson's future look like? Man, Watson's just a strange. One. I have no. I mean, who knows? The guy could be in jail for all. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's so bizarre and. How the Texans handled it has been really odd. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he ends up in Pittsburgh. I don't. I feel like Pittsburgh. Gosh, the names escaping me right now. Their current backup. Um, I feel like they probably stick with him, but I wouldn't be surprised if they draft somebody this year to get ready. Yeah, they might be taking the long haul. It's crazy. Tomlin still hasn't had any losing seasons as a coach there, so maybe he thinks that that's they remarkable. Just, it really is. So they might not need much. And for as beat up as Big Ben has been, and like the injuries, and I mean Antonio yeah, Brown and Le'Veon, Brown Le'Veon drama, Bell. Bell drama. I mean, it is it it is re, it is just so impressive how consistent he's been. Really has been, uh, but we'll see. Football still to be played this season. Allies are uh, on it at all times, whether it's the off season or the upcoming Super Bowl. Tyler Tesson, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect, talking some football. All right, thanks for having me, Mitch.
That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. It is official. They are the Washington Commanders. But I got Cleveland Guardians, so I can't complain or, or razz on them too much. But thanks, everybody out there for listening. Thanks again to Jose Youngs and Tyler Tesson. This was episode number 300 of the Money Mitch Effect. It's been a pleasure to talk sports. Thanks to everybody who's listened to even just a fraction of an episode all the way through. It's truly meant a lot. It's just been a fun process talking sports with a lot of my friends and some of the great professionals in the industry. So thank you very much for listening. You can find every episode of the catalog on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Wherever podcasts are, form, are found, you can find the Money Mitch Effect. You can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive video content as well. I'll be back next week, preview the Super Bowl, talk a little more in depth about some other sports. Got to talk hockey as well. Shout out to Rafael Nadal, 21st Grand Slam major title for him. He now stands alone atop the mountain, did it from two sets down, a remarkable performance in his win over Daniil Medvedev. And Ash Barty, shout out to her, third Grand Slam, first Aussie to win the Australian Open in 40 years. Props to Ash Barty. This was the Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep enjoying sports.